Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Hey guys, I'm Amanda. And I'm Jen. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Fathomless. to our last episode. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, the little true crime news and updates. We figured, you know, there's always stuff happening in the news that we're going to want to talk about. Yeah. So we figured, why not make it like a themed episode? Yeah. Kind of like um, how we're going to do like a, our the spooky, spooky scary. Yeah. Um, that one was a cool episode. Yeah, yeah, I, I love have, doing that. I have people that are already like, oh my god, I have stories for you. Oh my so. god, nobody has come to me with their stories. Yes. You guys are slacking. Text me your ghost stories. I want to know them yes. all. All of them. Actually, my friend Dom has a creepy picture of some creepy looking demon. And you know how they like kind of appear like in the flash and camera sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's on like oh, a haunted shit. bridge or something. I'll have to have her send me that information definitely yeah definitely want to see that but um i want to hear people's stories yeah. my sister want... said she'll tell us about our house yeah so fuck yeah yeah we didn't want to give all of faith's yeah i don't want to tell you all where faith lives and all of her stories i wanted her to be able to uh to tell them for us yeah but you definitely had your own experiences in that house yes so. i can't wait for her to yeah, we'll have to um, plan a day where maybe we go to her house and record. Yes, that'd be fun. Because it would be nice to visit that Let's town do it. again. Oh, yeah. I'm so down. So, um, this is one of Amanda's episodes, so I'm just going to yeah, give her history the reins. episode for you. So. I'm it's so excited to hear about this. You, like... You always kind of tell me about your episodes, and I'm just like, yeah. oh, I can't wait to hear about I it. Have, I'm not going to research it. I'm going to wait until Amanda tells me. I have some uh, some really crazy stuff that I didn't tell you because I wanted wanted the raw reaction. The raw reaction. Yeah, You're going to hear us say that term. <laughs> <laughs> We're so lame. I'm so sorry, guys. But You know what? I'm not... I'm 30. I'm not fucking changing. Yeah. I'm lame as fuck. We are who we are. Yeah. I don't think you're lame. I actually think you're really fucking cool. I think you're really cool. I look cool. up to you I a lot. You. Oh, my God. Yeah. You cry. You're amazing. Don't cry. You're like a ray of sunshine. Stop it. You're not. Anyway, now we're going <laughs> Yes, you are. And we're going to get super depressing now. We're going to talk about the Joseph Ladd School from, or not from, in Exeter, Rhode Island, which was a state-run institution for the disabled and developmentally delayed. Where, how far away is that from where we are now? Exeter, I want to say it's like 20, 30 minutes. Damn. We have to go to Exeter anyway because yeah. Mercy Brown's For Mercy site. Brown? Yeah. So is this place still, can you drive by it and see it? The buildings have all been removed. They were demolished oh. in, uh, I want to say 2013. Okay. But, yeah. You can't go there. can drive by the field. Okay, good. That it was in. Yeah, there's no. I have pictures of like the abandoned building, so we're gonna post. I have a ton of pictures. I'm surprised those. you've lived in Providence for two years. I'm surprised we haven't taken like a day trip around Rhode Island. We should. Yeah, I've done like Newport trips here and there, and like because Rhode Island, like it takes like 
45 minutes to get from one end to the other. It really does. It's it's not that bad. You can go to, like, Jamestown. We'll plan a day. Okay. We'll plan a day. Yay. So, anyway, the Joseph Lab School in Exeter, Rhode Island, was a state-run institution for the disabled and developmentally delayed. By the time it was shut down in 2013, it had consisted of about seven large buildings and several small single-story cottages that were living quarters for the residents. And, I mean, sounds like it would be a wonderful place, but like most state-run institutions, it was not. And What year did it open? It opened in 1908. Okay, so the, the fucked-up times. Yes, yes. The very uh, fucked-up times. I mean, it, it did not, it was not called the Joseph Lab School when it was first opened. It was actually the Rhode Island School for the Feeble-Minded. The Feeble-Minded. Yes. Okay. Yep. Which, I mean, hey, there was other schools that I was looking up um, when I was doing this, and there was one in um, Connecticut that was literally just called the Connecticut Training School for Idiotic Children. Shut the fuck up. Nope. Nope. That was that was the name of the school, a oh state-run facility. Can't say shit like that in 2022. No, you cannot. You should not. You should not, no. If you do, you're a terrible person. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Sorry. Uh, but it did go a little bit deeper than just, you know, being the school for the feeble-minded. The school was actually founded by a famous eugenicist, which um, eugenics is like genes, hereditary, like the study of genes, basically. And he had a pretty disgusting ideology that was based around forced sterilization of what he deems to be uh, citizens with undesirable traits and genes, like any kind of developmental okay. delay or disability or anything Undesirable. Like that. Yeah. Uh, so residents were barely cared for. They were barely fed. They were routinely beaten and neglected, forced to undergo ice baths, electric shock therapy, all kinds of terrible things. And after decades of abuse, the institution was eventually shut down, but not before having its fair share of public scandal and just overall horrific tragedies within its walls. Mm -hmm. And even though it was officially shut down in 1993, some of the residents never left. Spooky. Sorry, I had to to (laughs) real fucking cheesy for a minute. No, I like it. Add some spots. Yeah, little little zest there for you. I like this. So let's get into the timeline of the institution and okay. kind of like how everything started. So in 1907, state of Rhode Island purchased a 475-acre farm with the inspiration to create a communal home for the state's disabled and developmentally delayed and just any kind of like state wards, like children that didn't have homes and stuff like that. And the state got this idea from Templeton Farm Colony in Templeton, Massachusetts, which is out by like Worcester, kind of. Sorry, I'm like smiling. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, Dad. I got pulled over in New Hampshire the other day by the um, the Cheshire County Sheriff. Oh I was shitting my pants it's because I didn't like get my new inspection sticker yet. Um, and the cop ended up like letting me go, luckily, because I know that like you know. They can not be very nice. So um, we bonded over being from Massachusetts. And uh, he was like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, I'm from Plymouth. Where are you from? He's like, Templeton. I was like, 
Must be Western Mass because I have no idea what the fuck that is. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so yeah. Templeton. So I never heard of Templeton until the cop, and then now that you bring it up, I just I was like, look at that. The way the, the universe just keeps popping it back into your life. Yeah. But the Templeton community, the Templeton Farm Colony, was basically just a very large farm where people would be sent wards of the state. People. Would disabilities, developmentally delayed people, people suffering from mental illness would be sent to this colony and they would have a place to stay and they would work on a farm as a way to basically like contribute to society and like mm-hmm. kind of have like a routine in their life. It was meant to be sort of like a therapeutic yeah. sort of thing. It does kind of sound like they were just like doing free labor. Yeah. Also, um, it was 19, it was like the the Templeton Farm Colony started in, like, the mid-1800s, so I don't really know how great their, their labor laws were or lack thereof. So it Probably, probably not very much of any it labor was, law. They were probably working, like, seven days a week, and these people likely were not getting the care that they needed. Um, in Massachusetts, they were also able to sterilize these residents. So that they could not procreate mm-hmm. as a way to ensure that, you know, they were not continuing to yeah. spread these genes everywhere. As like it's a virus. It. Basically, <laughs> which is, that's not really how it works. It's not how hereditary traits work or genes or any of that. I mean, I'm no fucking scientist, but I did take, you know, a 10th grade biology class and I know that that's not how that shit works. Anyway. Uh... So the Rhode Island school was based off of this Templeton colony. And the director of the Templeton Farm Colony was this dude named Dr. Colonel. He was kind of like the forefather of the Rhode Island School for the Feeble-Minded, as it was called at that time. And his protege was Dr. Joseph H. Ladd, who was deemed, well, appointed the superintendent of school and they named it eventually it does get named him. after him not for like several decades okay it goes through a few different name changes but basically these two dudes their idea was to just kind of have a place to segregate anyone who they deemed as feeble-minded disabled or like unfit to be in what they called normal society mm-hmm. which is you know just super great they sound like super fucking great yeah. So, in 1908, the state officially opened the Rhode Island School for the Feeble-Minded. It started with eight residents, all male. Okay. It was initially a male-only school. They didn't have their first female residents until 1913. And in the beginning, it started out as kind of just like one large farmhouse-style building with kind of dormitory-style rooms for the residents. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, Dr. Joseph H. Ladd was the appointed superintendent he was also the only doctor on site Mm -hmm. and was the only doctor on site for about like 50 years i'm sure this place grew to have more residents yes more than what oh yeah so it started with eight just like the first year that it opened and i mean i'm sure you've heard that you know, I'm sure people have heard about state facilities. They're really not the best place. Oh, in fuck the world. no! No, fuck um, no! And you could also kind of get sent to them for really any reason 
in the early 1900s, I actually found a list. It's from a, a state hospital in West Virginia, but it's from around the same time frame. So I wanted to read off some of the reasons that this is like reasons for admission to the state hospital. And keep in mind, sometimes these people were actually committed there for life for these reasons. So, uh, fever and jealousy is one fever. of them. Yep, fever? Yep. Everyone um, gets a fucking fever. Domestic trouble. Hysteria, which was like, it was normally like, it was also female hysteria, which was like, basically women problems, as they would call it. You know, like depression and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or if, you know, your wife wasn't doing what you wanted her to do, you said she had hysteria. And that was basically it. Uh, opium habit, novel reading, novel reading, religious enthusiasm, and political excitement. Oh god, the whole fucking world would be fucking committed for, for that right and now. Masturbation. So you know, just to kind of give you an idea. Also, desertion of husband. Okay. Just you know, so if you if you leave your husband, you'll go. Apparently, yeah. So, I mean, just to give you an idea of what some of these people... We're going to talk about some other reasons, too. Um, when, like, Prohibition era came around, mm-hmm. there was a lot of women who were sent there for uh, sex work, prostitution, being involved in bootlegging. Also, uh, pregnancy out of wedlock was another reason. And they would be committed there for life or until they hit menopause and then would be discharged. This is like not long ago. No, a blip of time ago. Yeah, it's really not that long mm-hmm. ago. Um, the state also didn't really have much interest in funding the school either. In 1913, Dr. Ladd went before a committee trying to request some more funds for like budgeting and stuff like that. And the budgeting committee actually responded by saying that they should was trying to get like hire more teachers and they said instead of hiring teachers you should be asking for money to make an asphyxiation chamber yeah jen's face is just like <laughs> she's just uh <clears throat> excuse me she is um she's very lost don't waste your money on that shit so basically Fucking- yeah do this instead. No, I do want to mention that a lot of laws had, um, or a lot of laws, a lot of states had laws enforcing eugenic sterilization, which was the sterilization for eugenic purposes. Um, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine all have laws for this. Rhode Island didn't have a law for or against it, so while it technically wasn't legal to force sterilization on residents of the school, it technically wasn't illegal either, and there was very little medical records kept in the institution. Yeah, I can only um, imagine. They actually didn't even have a working hospital for like a large chunk of time in the institution, in the dental facilities or any kind of medical facilities whatsoever. So, so they had a doctor, but like they had a doctor, and then couldn't really do any. Surgeons <laughs> would come in and perform operations. But there was no like, medical staff in their on bedrooms. Site. Pretty much. I'm sure they had some rooms with like metal tables just in the middle of it and nothing else. But 
yeah, it was, uh, there was very little funding. Mm -hmm. So by 1915, the school had 123 residents and they had a waiting list of over 300. Wow. And rumors grew very quickly of Dr. Ladd's abusive treatment of the residents and it spread pretty much amongst all of the local community. And this was right at the time of society was starting to evolve too. They were kind of going away from, you know, naming schools, you know, training center for idiotic children or school for the feeble-minded. Like they were starting to have, you know, more progressive views on disabled people. Mm -hmm. it still wasn't great. No. It, you know, it, has, it still isn't great, but, you know, it, we, they were, we were fucking getting somewhere, kind of. Kind of. Uh, so basically people started questioning whether or not this was a safe place for residents. Nonetheless, I'm going to say open. no. No, it definitely wasn't. And, you know, they continued to do their best to uh, stay open and just take in as many residents as they can. In 1917, as a way to try and reinvent the school's image, uh, he renamed the school the Rhode Island Exeter School. So they got rid of the whole evil-minded thing. And despite the rumors of abuse still circling, admissions grew to uh, about 350 residents. And it was still, they had a larger building now, but it still was not really, it was not enough. Yeah. And in 1918, Spanish influenza was rampant in New England, and the Exeter School was no different. They had horrible cleaning and health standards, and there was no quarantining of any kind. So six sick patients were just everywhere. It was a breeding ground for infection. All 350 residents and staff fell ill by late October. And like I said before, the school didn't have a working hospital or medical clinic. The only staff on hand who actually had a fucking medical degree was Dr. Joseph Ladd. And I'm pretty sure since he was a eugenicist, it wasn't in medicine, it was in eugenics. Yeah. So um, the only way the school managed to survive was actually by the heroic efforts of the students at the Providence Nursing School who volunteered to come in and take care of all of the residents of the school. That's actually pretty cool. So only 16 residents died, which I thought the number would have been a lot higher, but mm -hmm. obviously these, these nurses really made a difference. Uh, the youngest was five-year-old Israel, and the oldest was 28-year-old Alice. But 16 residents total died that year of Spanish and Joseph Ladd himself was quoted saying that the nurses would stay up for days treating hundreds of residents, even though some of them like got sick themselves and would be like running fevers, they were still running around caring for all of their patients. Which good for those girls. Good on them. Now, by nineteen twenties, the farming colonies kind of idea of it had pretty much phased out. And it was just more like a fostering holding facility for state wards, children with criminal records, children with disabilities, kind of just kind of a dumping ground for anyone the state didn't really have a place for. Mm -hmm. And the population pretty much grew to somewhere between 400 and 500 res residents by 1920. Living conditions worsened. There was pretty much no freaking supervision. Like I said, 20s brought the Prohibition Era, which was from 1920 to 1933. That's when a lot of women started coming in that were discharged with, you know, having a child out of wedlock or, you know, sex work, which some of them didn't have any other options. So it was, 
it was pretty bad. And like I said, they were committed to the institution for life, most people. They were never allowed a chance to get out. They were just there until they died a natural death. So, that's just lovely. At some point in the mid-1920s, the Providence Journal wrote a scathing review, or not review, but article, on the Exeter School, calling it a dumping ground for state undesirables, and they said the living conditions were horrific. They went on to scold school officials for not having proper medical or dental facilities on site. There was no recreational facilities either. So there was nowhere for them. There was nothing for them to do. There was nothing for them to do. There was literally just big rooms with like benches along the wall for them to sit on. So they just sat there all day? Yep. With barely any staff to help them. And there was no church. There was no morgue. There was just nothing. Basically just a bunch of rooms. So it was, it was pretty terrible. And still Joseph Ladd was the only person with a doctorate or any doc, he was the only doctor on site. And uh, I also wanted to mention that it was reported that the residents would receive an initial physical exam by him when they entered the school, but they never received any type of physical exam after that first one. They never received any psychological exams either. And some people were admitted what were said to be mental illnesses and mental mental issues and they were never given any type of psychological exam. So kinda weird, huh? Yeah. They just kinda were just like, here I'm gonna drop you off and pretty much and you're gonna get nothing. Yeah, we're gonna keep you fed and kinda keep you clothed and there you go. You can hang out here if you want. Which is just fucking terrible. So as the years went on, uh, Dr. Joseph Ladd continued to publicly come out advocating for the state to pass laws to force eugenic sterilization on the residents of the Exeter School. In 1948, he was actually quoted in the Providence Journal stating, many states have already passed sterilization laws for eugenic purposes. I hope Rhode Island won't stay behind much longer unless something is done to stop propagation of the mentally deficient. We cannot expect the coming generations to be predominantly virile and of sound body and mind. So clearly he was super concerned with, you know, therapeutically helping his residents and, you know, helping them through their disabilities and find ways to cope with things and, you know, just enjoy daily life. Sounds like a great dude. Yeah. No, he clearly just wanted to just keep them segregated from society yeah. and just make sure that they can't appropriate. And with the 1940s came more public scrutiny of the school and, of course, more residents started flooding in. There was between 900 to 1,000 residents now. And it was pretty much built to hold roughly half of that. With the overpopulation and understaffing, neglect and abuse was everywhere. Residents were still mostly children and young adults. And they were routinely beaten and starved as forms of punishment. They were barely fed. Some weren't even given proper clothing. And the more residents there were, there was just fucking horrific living conditions. In 1947, as an attempt to deal with the overcrowding, Dr. Ladd discharged nearly a third of the school's population. So with a slightly smaller population, it did help the school to get a little more funding, but it still wasn't enough to improve living conditions for residents or hire any more staff. Yeah. Just like made more space, I guess. a little bit. Kind of. And in 1955, the lack of supervision of the residents became blatantly obvious to everyone in the community when a 20-year-old ward of the state who was deemed criminally insane 
murdered a nine-year-old severely disabled boy who both of them were committed to life in the school. Lovely. Boy was uh, suffocated in a laundry bag and then suspended from a shower head in the bathroom. That is horrific. Yeah. Pretty much just just terrible. And with that tragedy, uh, obviously the public was just horrified and it eventually led to the resignation of Dr. Joseph Ladd. So in 1956, Dr. John Smith, who was the former director of the Connecticut Training School for the Feeble-Minded, as it was called at that time, that was the one that was also known as the Connecticut Training School for Idiotic Children, Mm -hmm. which is Idiotic Children. Yeah, that's just a lovely name. Yeah. So he was appointed by the state to take over as director of the Exeter School, and the state... The state's goal, basically, with hiring him was to kind of reinvent the image of the school, because, obviously, fucking Joseph Ladd was doing a great job. Oh, a fantastic great job. Great job. Yeah. So. Award-winning doctor. Yep. It's weird that uh, in 1958, in an effort to revamp the school, they were doing a little more building, a little updating, and then renamed the school after Joseph Ladd. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know why you would name it after. I mean, I guess he was, you know, the first superintendent and stuff. Why are you going to name it after the dude that abused a bunch of kids and just neglected them and basically left them in rooms to yeah. starve. Because shit it has always been asked backwards. Pretty much. So into the 60s, there was, you know, a little more funding. They were able to build a state-of-the-art hospital finally, and they had uh, started building the single-story cottages, which were kind of like a modern group home for, uh, you know, yeah. people to stay in. So it got a, a little bit better, but there was still... A lot of, a lot of understaffing, low wages. There was several uh, strikes actually, where workers would just stop working, and they would demand you know better pay, better wages, better working conditions. And there was also, you know, countless state investigations into the school in the sixties and seventies. Uh, there was actually in nineteen seventy seven, there was a massive investigation where there was a huge discovery of an assortment of, as it said in the article, disturbing health code violations in the dental clinic and medical clinic. Mm-hmm. Not surprised. Specifically talked about the dental clinic the most, too, which I'm like, what was happening to that dentist's office then? Like, I hate the dentist as it is, so I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah. What happened there? Uh, it actually led to a class action lawsuit that lasted several years, which is just nuts. So the reports were actually leaked to the media, and some investigative journalists took it upon their own hands to start looking into the school more. And they also went on to find numerous health violations and also human rights violations within the school. Yeah. So there was uh, actually several deaths that were reported in the school over the years that were due to neglect or even medical malpractice in the state of the art, as they quoted it, hospital. Mm Mm-hmm. So, lovely. Just lovely. The state-of-the-art hospital. That's, that's what it said in the article. Was It was the 1960s. They had the state-of-the-art hospital. It was this big, like, round building. And, like, supposed to be all fucking fancy and shit. And, yeah. It was not. No, <laughs> it was not. It was not fancy. So, from the 80s into the 90s, with the public scandals and just the reputation of the school, you could tell it was just slowly dwindling. And in... Uh, 1986, 
it was actually announced that the school would be shutting down. That was right around the time that the class action lawsuit ended as well. And the school was basically told to either meet a strict regimen of like by it with yeah. codes and yep. regulations and stuff like that or shut, shut down. down. And, it, and they were like, oh shit, <laughs> like, we can't do all this I'm out anymore. <laughs> we're out. out here. The SpongeBob meme just fine. Just step out. Yeah. All right, I'm going to head out. <laughs> and so by 1993, the very last residents were relocated to other alternative care facilities and it officially shut down. Good. The lab school was no more. Kind of. The buildings were still there, and throughout the years, obviously, there have been rumors of horrible abuse, neglect, death, mm-hmm. everything happened within the walls of these several buildings, and the facility, I mean, it didn't take long for rumors that the facility was haunted to spread. Uh, like with any abandoned hospital, a bunch of people started, you know, taking a visit for themselves yeah. and going to check it out. What happened with that weird school? And it you know, people found some weird things. Like what? So uh, there's crying heard, moaning, screams of pain. You can hear people walking, like phantom footsteps or like someone like shuffling down like a hallway. Doors will lock, even though there's no lock on the door. Like they'll sh- like slam shut and lock or just uh-huh. open on their own. You can hear uh, people have reported hearing growling sounds in the patient's room. Oh my god. Even though there's like no animal in there. And outside in like the, because uh, like the cottages aren't there, like at this time the cottages really weren't there anymore, you know, things kind of been taken over by land, mm-hmm. or not land, by land, Jesus Christ. Amanda. Things were taken things over were by taken land. Things were taken over by land, by nature. Yeah. No, I, I understood what you meant. I was like, yeah, land, uh-huh. <laughs> my brain just like happily melted i'm so sorry i don't know should be fucking sorry but <laughs> things have been taken over by nature so it was getting really decrepit and you know yeah. it was obvious it had been abandoned for a while and so they would um in like the fields where those used to be they would see shadows moving and like apparitions of people and stuff like that and they would be like, laughing and crying there would be blowing orbs outside People reported that when they would pull up with their cars before it like all got fenced off and you could still kind of pull right up in there, uh, the car alarms would go off or the yeah. horns would go off or the radio would just go off out of nowhere. Okay. Photograph like um, there's been photographs of orbs and like kind of like shapes of people and stuff. I couldn't really find any like good ones on Google. I'll have to do like another deep dive and see if I can find any cool ones. Yeah. But some of them it's like very obvious. Some of yeah flying across (laughs) your screen dude like what are you doing um (laughs) so you know it It had to feel like they were part of something exactly but it was uh a lot and there was uh but they would say like their cameras were drained flashlight batteries were drained yeah a lot of the the normal shit that you hear about and in 2013 there was actually a horror movie film at the lab school before it was, like, that summer it was going to, all the buildings were going to get torn down. Yeah. And people somehow were able to film a movie there. What movie? It was called Exeter. It was released in 2015. From what I could see, it was released in, like, the UK. I, I don't know if it's 
available in was it about what happened so they did talk about the lab school like the they kept the history of the school the same but it was basically a group of teenagers were partying at the school like the abandoned building and they somehow invoke an evil spirit by playing light as a feather stiff as a board yeah which i don't know have you ever played that no but i like you hear about it like do you know you what know. it is i don't know the background of it i like there's really i mean i don't i'm sure there's some it's weird like background you lift to it, up but like the yeah person with you, the two fingers yeah. yeah you lift up the person with the two fingers so they're playing that game and they apparently like un yeah. unlock some evil spirit within the school who starts like possessing them and like killing them off one by one and i i'll show you the movie trailer for it did you watch the movie i didn't watch the movie i need to find it I'm gonna, when you find it we should watch it together but it honestly it looks like that type of like b movie like 2015 trash like paranormal activity kind of that, that teenage me would fucking love i yeah. hated paranormal activity i thought it wasn't I, like, loved it for, like, the storyline for what it was, because when you watch, like, the sequels of it, it, like, goes back, and it, like, basically tells you, like, you I've know. only seen, like, the first two. Okay, you have to watch, because it goes back to when that, uh, when the try. girl, I forget her name in the movie, when she was, like, a little girl, and how in her bedroom growing up, there was, like, a little cross face, and there was, like, something that was talking to her, tracking. I haven't seen it in so long, but it's crazy. Okay. Yeah, I think if you like go into it knowing that like the quality of like the movie sucks, but like the storyline, the background, it's is not there. even the quality because like I love found footage genre films. It was. We should watch Paranormal TV and then we should watch this Exeter. But <laughs> I um, it looks like it looks super lame. Like it really does. I, but I don't care. I still want to watch it. Oh yeah, I'll still watch it. I'll still watch. It's it. kind of like I'll remember like Jennifer's trailer. body. I, oh my god, Jennifer's body, what are you talking about? That is a cinematic masterpiece. Mwah. And then there was another one about, like, the sorority sisters that was the called, like, sorority row or something. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of sorority yeah. sisters. I'm, those all, like, came movies. out at the same time. I remember going to the movie theaters, Eternal Activity, and Jennifer's Body. I actually what? watched Jennifer's Body, like, kind of recently, and I was like, mm. Jennifer's Body is a great up. horror comedy. Yeah. I love horror comedy. That's definitely... That is my shit right there. Yeah. It's, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. So, so can you say, sorry, I don't know if where you left off at, but I know you said something about, like, there's apartment buildings there now. No. There's, like, there, that was a, um, that was a different school. Oh, okay. Oh, that was in Fox? Yes. Okay. That All is, right. um, that's what Sarah and I were talking about the other night. There is a, a big school in... Somewhere around there. There's apartments buildings there now, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a different one. Different abandoned building. Okay. Cover that one, though. I want to hear about that one. Yeah, she has um, she has some stories from there, so we'll, uh, we'll cover that one. But pretty much that is what I have for it. That horror movie was filmed there. It released in 2015. And in 2013, all of the buildings got demolished. And that was it. But people still go to that area, and they still use the old very uncomfortable which i would yeah i don't want to go there but i do want to drive around like rhode island oh definitely but i mean that is a that was some pretty cool dark history from rhode island and i mean every pretty sure every single state has some state-run 
mental facility or hospital of some kind that has horrific stories. What's the background on that building in Lakeville where the cop always sits outside of oh, it? Oh, yeah, the state hospital? Yeah. There's what's, um, the, what's the background on that? Pretty much the same stuff. There's been some How come weird... they guard that one so heavily instead of knocking it down? Uh, so there's been a lot of like arguments about what to be built there. I remember when I lived in Lakeville, this was back in like 2015, I want to say, uh, there was a point where uh, Cisco wanted to buy the building. They were offering like double what it was worth to the town. And everybody in the town of Lakeville like, petitioned against it because they didn't want the Cisco trucks driving through the town. Yeah. I'm causing like, a really busy area. Already. It is a very busy area. So that's kind of from what I've gathered, that's kind of the issue with it. Is but, that like it's extremely expensive to tear it down, and they also don't want to tear it down and then have a large warehouse or something built there because the ta- like the, the so townspeople just, don't want like something built there that they don't want built there. So how come they guard it with like the police all the time? I feel because like a ton of people break into it. You, like, I, I used to want to try and get into there. Andrew's like, oh, we should b- break into it because everyone but loves to break. But I was like, Andrew, no, like, they will they will get you. So like... where that, like, CVS is, yeah. there's, like, a way that you can, like, walk through the woods and, like, go to, like, the back end of it. But I'm sure so the there... police know that. Oh, no, yo, yeah. There's, like, five or six videos on YouTube of people breaking into there before it got heavily guarded. So I guess it's just cheaper for them to pay a security guard or an officer to stay there than it is for what's, them to demolish it. What's the White House in the front The White of it? House used to be the home of like the director uh-huh. of the And that's part hospital. of the property? It's part of the property, yeah. You can't get into there either? No. I always wanted to try and get into that house though. But... Was that what you were taking pictures of and then you, then that person was like, can we what? Oh no, that was the old building of the Bridgewater State Hospital. Oh, there's an old building? Yeah, there's an old building at the, uh, with the Bridgewater State Hospital. Is it like on the grounds? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it was one of the one Tony Chop Chop spent some time there. He did. Yeah, he did. But yeah, they have an old building there that they say is haunted, and there's like tunnels underneath it and stuff. Ooh. I used to date a uh, a CEO that works there, so some of the some Use of some the, the inside stuff. But they have like somebody who's supposed to like patrol that area every every day, and yeah, I tried to take a picture of the building because it was really cool and spooky. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just thought it looked cool. Yeah. Well, that's pretty interesting. It I love is. your haunted history stuff. I think I need to look up some haunted history in uh, New Hampshire. Yeah. We need to, like, I need to get into, like, Vermont and Maine. I feel like those are states that we haven't covered anything out of yet. There's a, uh, a Bennington Triangle in Vermont. Yeah, the Bennington Triangle. I was looking that. into that. It's very, very similar to the Bridgewater Triangle. So maybe we'll do that, like, around the time of the Bridgewater Triangle. It's like yeah. a warm-up or something. Yeah. I don't know. Not a warm-up. A down. little appetizer. A little appetizer. Yes. I like that. Yeah. A little appetizer because... The Bridgewater Triangle is going to be, like, a five-course meal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very similar. It's just, like, um, people going missing, um, like, UFO sightings, Bigfoot oh. sightings. I know Vermont and New Hampshire have some crazy alien stories. We should definitely look into those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lots of alien sightings around this area. I don't know yeah. what it is. Because it's, it's very remote and, like, mountainous, so I feel like 
it's not like a lot of civilization around. So if I was an alien, I wouldn't want to be around. Yeah, I feel like it's the only either. like mountainous side of the East Coast besides like yeah, because we have like the Green Mountains. But... Appalachian comes up here, yeah. so the White Mountains, Appalachian Trail, Appalachian Trail. As some people call it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Down south, it's Appalachian. Oh. Yeah, um, me and Andrew always fight over how things are pronounced <laughs> because he's from the South and I'm from up here. So, like, um, for example, Concord. The town Concord. of Concord. Concord, New Hampshire. Concord, Mass. No, it's Concord. Down South. It's Why are you Concord. saying it weird? Yeah. That's so weird. Concord. Like, I know, like, in Concord. North I know in North Carolina, like, where my parents live, like, my stepdad was like, oh, yeah, like, Concord. And buddies were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Concord. And then, oh, my God, there was this other street. It was called, um, it, it was spelt. Let me spell it for you. It was spelled J-E-T-T-O-N. What would you think that would say? J-E-T-T-O-N? Yeah. Jetton? Jetton. That's exactly what Mike thought, too. Nope, it's Jetton. Jetton. He's like, yeah, like up on Jetton Road, and they're like, where? He's like, Jetton. They're like, it's Jetton. Yeah. No. No. Jetton. Yeah. We talk weird, but you all talk. You all talk weird. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so sorry. That's terrible. No, Andrew says, he's like, no, it's just you guys. You guys are the only people in the country that talk like this. And I'm like, you well, wish you could talk like this. I love it. <laughs> He's kid fucking cool. He's getting good at his uh, fake Boston accent. I'm getting that. I. No, at first he like tried to do it, and I'm like, everyone no, always does a New York accent new, or a Jersey accent. I'm yep. like, no, if you're trying to force a Boston accent and you don't have it, you sound like you're from Jersey. You really do. I'll never forget when I, um, one of my friends, I was like, go ahead, try it, and he just went, hey, get out of here, and I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is that? <laughs> No, Never um, come up here and do that. What was that movie? Um, Every movie that's set no, in Boston? Oh, Spencer Confidential. I think it had like Mark Wahlberg in it. And oh, he gosh. played a Boston cop. His wife in the movie was not played by a person from Boston. Oh, you can always tell. her accent in the movie was horrible. I was like, this bitch sounds like she's from like the Jersey Shore. Okay, they so should bad. have just gotten somebody from Boston to they, do it. Seriously, they really do. It's really it's do. hard to fake it if you don't. And that's why, like, like down south, like, I'll never try to fake, like, a southern accent oh in my public. God. Not unless I want to get beat. Because they like, know. We know when people are faking a Boston accent. The southerners know when we're faking the southern accent. So, nope. Yeah. No, I can never. Fun to try different accents, but. Oh, yeah. I was just making fun of myself. I think I have a good British accent sometimes, but I if feel I like went everyone to... from New England thinks I have a British accent because I am always like, oh my god, I'm so good at this. I I, I like sound British. And I definitely don't. No, I they definitely would, don't. They would be like this American. <laughs> I like to do like a fun, like I can do like a talking accent. Um, no. My stepdad is a friend from Ireland. He is the best Irish accent. I could never Oh, no, I couldn't if I tried. That is that is one that, like, I feel like that in Australian. No, no, I can never do Australian. Never. I can never even try. Have you ever seen the guy who does, um, like, 
every every American movie but with an Australian accent on TikTok. No. Twilight. Oh yeah. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have. Oh. Shit. I was gonna say something. Oh yeah. So it's funny because I don't know if you've seen videos of like people from other countries being interviewed and they're like, oh, do your best American accent. It's oh always a Southern accent. I, I love what, yeah, I love when they're like, I want a hamburger. Oh my God. That is what everyone thinks of us. Like, I'm so sorry. Good hamburger. That is, uh, <laughs> that is what I saw. Um, like I love when they try to do American accents on a great British baking show. I'll never forget that. I remember there was one episode where they were cooking with, as they call it, aubergine over there. It's actually eggplant. They were were making fun of us for calling it eggplant. They were all doing it in a southern accent going, eggplant! Oh my god! (laughs) I was like, fuck. Uh, I love Paul Hollywood. But also, what the fuck is aubergine? Like, just, just, why? I mean, eggplant's just as weird, but. Yeah. No, we (laughs) we like those shows. I love the British. Yeah. Paul Hollywood. Unapproved. Oh. Overbite. See me, it's Noel Fielding. My weird ass. No. Nope. I guess Polly Hollywood. Polly Hollywood. Oh, God. Okay, well, yeah. people definitely call him that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he oh, probably gets that a lot. God. Um, I guess Paul Hollywood really pulls the, the ladies. Oh, I It's a chick magnet. After, like, season one. With a silver fox? Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, I guess that's that is it. it. So, uh, stay spooky. Stay scary. And, and stay, stay safe. safe. Bye.